Are we good? No, we're not good. We are only yesterday. Well, that too, but I'm Adam. Y'all already know it's Tony. Okay. And uh, yo, so today we are definitely getting into the research. Like there's, hold on, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least eight articles. And that, textbooks. And textbooks that um, went into today's episode. So um, <clears throat> yeah, to, to say that this one's going to be research based is, is a fucking understatement. Um, we're going to be talking about shame. Yeah. So, you know, what it is, why we use it, what it does. Um, and my boy asked me for my thesis and I told him that <clears throat> my thesis regarding shame is it can be useful when used in, you know, when used the right way, but when used in excess, it can absolutely be detrimental, not only to the person, but to for the society. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing in therapy. It's talking about shame. So. Yep. Oh, yeah, let's get into the, the sources. Okay, so <clears throat> up top, sources that I've got here in front of me are an examination of the relationship between shame, guilt, and self-harm, a systematic review and meta-analysis by Kate Sheehy et al. and, and company. Like, there's a lot of people, bro. I mean... Look it up if you really want to. Um, reappraising the moral nature of emotions and decision-making, the case of shame and guilt um, by Rob Nellison and co. Again, there's like... At all. At all. Again, this is yes. a podcast. It's not an academic journal. Yes. So we're just letting you know where we're getting our sources from. Systems of Psychotherapy, a trans-theoretical analysis by... I don't know this one. Prochaska, J-O, and Norcross, J-C, 2018. I would say Prochaska. Prochaska, J-O, and Norcross, J-C, 2018. Um, that was my textbook in college. Nice. Um, come to your senses. Demystifying the Mind-Body Connection by S.H. Block and C.B. Block. Nice. Yes. Innovative skills to increase cohesion and communication in couples. Julianne Laser Mera and Nicole Nicotera. Facts. Yes. And then social work practice with families by Pre Patricia Van Hook. Yo, I could have used like any number of the freaking social work books that I have. Yes. I just Aut didn't. Autonomy versus shame and doubt and psycho psychosocial stage two by Kendra Sherry. Um, and then T I did a training this week. Uh, so it's TFCBT Web 2.0 by Medical University of South Carolina. It's a cool TFCBT training, because I have a little bit of training in that. Nice. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. Yo, I have enough. I mean, the, the training that I have in CBT is being a receiver of CBT and analyzing it from the, but this from the perspective of a social worker. But this one's uh, a little bit different. It's like a specific. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's more in depth. Yeah. CBT and TFCBT are different things. Like trauma focused CBT? Yes, yes, yes. Right, right. That's specific. Yeah. And <clears throat> yes, so. TFCBC, CBT. We're going to mention it. We're going to talk about the shit. So, what is shame, huh? Hmm? Um, what, what are you... Uh, shame, a pervasive, I mean, negative emotional state marked by chronic self-reproach and a sense of personal failure. Did I get that right? I mean, you got it right. I was just wondering about like your own personal oh. definition, if you had, because... like, um, I think it's comparing yourself to other people, um, hmm. not being content with what you have. Okay. And um, kind of not being mindful. Hmm. So not being content with what you have and like wanting a different result or just yeah. being being upset about the fact that you don't that have too. what you Both want. Both of those. Like being ashamed and wanting more than what you're given. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yo, I love it, bro. So how and why do we use shame? I mean, I got a couple examples, bro. Like we use it to motivate people. Absolutely. We use it to punish people. Absolutely. We use it to manipulate. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes we use it because that's all we, we know how to do. Right. And so I feel like, I feel like it's many people use shame to correct behavior and, or instill a sense of guilt. 
Yeah. Like making someone feel guilty for the behavior that they like. So if someone's freaking masturbating in public, shame that person. Please do. Please shame that person. Okay. Please do. Point out <laughs> but, their tiny dick. Uh, hold on. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> allegedly to, to the extent that, I mean, granted this person very well may have psychological abnormalities. And so, I mean, shaming to the point of like abuse to where like, oh, hey, let's go beat the hell out of this person. Like, like uh, I, I feel like, but if, if you're masturbating at my daughter, I mean, again, we're going to have okay, a problem now. Now, if there's kids around, see, that's another layer, bro. Like I yeah. didn't. Okay. Chop that shit off. Okay. So yeah, don't, don't do that around kids. Um, Not in front of the kids. Take him like behind the garbage can or something, bro. Right. Uh, uh, so yeah. So shaming that person to correct the behavior, yeah. right? And say, hey, um, we as a society, we don't do that shit here, bro. Or let's say, for the sake of example, someone w- walking down the street, like slapping people, yeah, like, slapping every single person they see. Doesn't matter who. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter what. Like slapping them. Yeah. Or like. I feel like shame in that way, like, or in the, in the biblical sense, right? Like using shame to correct behavior and say, Hey, what you're doing is unbecoming of, you know, either a human being or unbecoming of a person of faith or unbecoming of, you know, our societal standards. It's unbecoming. So you must correct that behavior. And not only that, you need to feel guilty about what you just did. Yeah. That's, that's a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. I will point out, too, um, let me be very vague so I don't get in trouble for saying this. There was a religious family there, a black family that adopted a relative. And they were like Bible Belt religious. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't working out. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's one you know aspect of that that I've seen. Yeah, it just wasn't working out. I mean, <clears throat> and so... That's you know, a we euphemism were, for... Right. Legal issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't working because out. Because they would, they would overcorrect and they would like, they wouldn't let this child do certain cultural things because they thought it was like against, like, it was of the devil, like Harry Potter hmm. or like anything to do with like wizards or magicians or. Interesting. Yo, okay. Yeah. They were like, old, that's why I said old school Bible belt. Old school. Okay. African-American family. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so the other day me and my sister were talking about slut shaming. Okay. And so I feel like it was, it was a good conversation. I mean, we, we had, um, we began the conversation like with differing opinions, but then we kind of like met in the middle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying that, um, you know, we, we should be slut shaming people. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, why? And she says, well, because, you know, when we have children from these, from these activities, right? Like these children from different fathers, it may make it difficult for the kids who were like, okay, well, why don't I, like, why don't I look like that sibling? Mm -hmm. Or why is it that, you know, their parent comes over more often and mine doesn't or where like, or vice versa, right? Like, and so, it it's a very good point because when we think about that type of <clears throat> when we think about the dynamic that having children brings like we have to consider that as adults we have to consider the dynamic of the children right that's true um i've seen that so many times where i keep saying this people that don't want to have children mm-hmm. have children right. and then treat those children like they don't want the children yeah, and so that's that's pretty shitty as well. And yeah. so, um, yeah, we should be mindful of the the dynamic of the children, right? Especially yeah. as the adults, as the as the adults in the situation. However, I was I brought up a point like, what about the person who doesn't intend on having children, doesn't want to have children, has like takes birth control, does all the things that you should do to prevent yourself from having children, but just enjoys the the act of sex for the act of sex? Should we shame that person? I don't think so. Yeah. And so, I mean, some people may disagree. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think we should. Well, I, I wouldn't use the word shame. The people are having children that 
the the second one, you know, not the people just enjoying sex. You know, uh, I I don't think we necessarily shame them, but help them like understand the consequences of. I think people understand the consequences of having sex. No, not that, but just like the actual price tag of a child, right? In terms so, of time and, and money, like right, with better sex education. Is what I'm saying. I don't. I feel like an educated adult who understands. So a fucking a sex therapist, right? Would you yeah. t- would you try to give a sex therapist advice on? Oh, you need to be, you know, oh, you need to be super mindful about like oh, you're, you're playing with. You might have a child. Like, do you do you think that they already know that and took precautions to not? You know, have a child. I'm not talking about them, right? I'm just I'm saying it depends on the education level. So, you're saying depending on the education level, we should or should not be shaming people based on. No, I'm not saying that we should be or shouldn't be. We should be educating them, educating based on their will. Okay, so again, my point was, but what about the person that doesn't want children? Takes all the precautions yes. to, you know, not have children and just enjoy sex for the act itself. That's fine. Right. And so that's it. Like, that was my question. That was it. And so, I mean, you're saying, oh, maybe we should educate them. Like, no, we don't need to educate them. They already know. No, I'm so, not talking about them. I'm talking. Never mind. Right. I was so confused. I'm confused too now. Well, here we go. Well, yeah. anyways, um, anyway. I just feel like there's many different. Um, Many different examples in where shame can be used, can be utilized to correct one's behavior. And I mean, if you're wanting to instill a sense of guilt, then like you probably could doing that. But yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think it's more focused on correcting the it behavior. Just depends. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a good example of shame. What should be shamed? Okay. So there's in the news I just read. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read the headline from. The AP. So seven years of sex abuse, how Mormon officials let it happen. So there's a lawsuit that mm. they just lost. Um, well. Because they have a helpline. But that helpline is to cover up, like to not go to the officials and to treat it internally. That's the... Ooh. And they speak to a lawyer. And the lawyer advises them to do that. Hmm. Um, claiming that it's a religious exemption. Whoa. So... That's why they're about their religious rights. Interesting. So, yeah. So. So yeah, that, that's that should be shamed. Yeah, that that behavior that's definitely bullshit. needs to be corrected. Yeah, for bullshit. sure. And so, um, let's discuss for just a moment, like <clears throat> shame versus guilt. Right? Yeah. Um, because I think there's there's definitely a distinction between the two. But yeah. Sometimes they get lumped in. Well, I mean they're they're closely related to each other, right? So um, shame is the evaluation like on one's whole self, right? So the person says, I did this, I'm evaluating my whole self. Um, And guilt is geared more towards a specific behavior. So saying, I masturbated in the streets. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And so, right, I feel like many times we... Again, we use shame to instill that sense of guilt to say, hey, like you need to feel bad as a whole person because of this behavior that you exhibited. So feel bad as a whole person. You as a whole person are bad. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, granted, there are some people who as a whole people, like as a whole person are pretty shitty people. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, that's not to say that the whole person is bad, right? Like. Sometimes they are. Agreed, right. But it's the behavior that's usually the um, the contributing factor that people are, are concerned with, not necessarily the person themselves. True. And then we get into the realm of saying, hey, you're... Whatever. Anyways. <clears throat> so I think that when we get shamed, when we experience guilt to this degree, like it's it's hard not to internalize it sometimes. Yeah. Right. Depending on what it is that's said, depending on, you know, our, our liability in that situation or culpability in that situation. Yeah. Right. Like depending on what we did, it would be hard not to internalize that. And yeah. so, um, there's a difference between the guilt and shame that is aimed at oneself, right? Like this is internalized mm-hmm. the guilt 
versus the guilt and shame that's aimed at one from the external society, right? Mm -hmm. And so many times when it comes from the external society, it's like, okay, well, I did something wrong. I need to feel bad. And then we then internalize that. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is value in saying, okay, well, this person has an issue with whatever behavior it is that I've I've exhibited or whatever behavior that we are witnessing happen right now. Mm-hmm. And the person who's exhibiting that particular behavior has a moment where they have, where they say, okay, well, do I need to feel bad about what just happened? Right? Like, do I need to feel bad about, you know, being an educated person wanting to, you know, go out and enjoy myself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? Do I need to feel bad about that? Because I'm, you know, taking all these necessary precautions. Um, yeah, as long as you're not a home wrecker, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, and again, yeah, that, that would be one there, of the precautions. Those are, yeah. Well, that's just one of the, yeah. Don't be a home wrecker. So yeah, the the shame that people feel internalized versus the shame that gets aimed at them from the external society, I think is is interesting. Yeah. Um, so regarding self-injury though um and shame like this is this is when the shame from the external society then gets internalized in the person and then now we're dealing with mental health issues um Mm -hmm. or at the very least um this person finding different ways to express and process the guilt or shame that they're feeling Mm -hmm. so um individuals with a history of non-suicidal self-injury reported greater levels of shame proneness character characterological shame that's a weird word characterological Mm. and external shame when all studies investigating the relationship between shame and non-suicidal self-injury history were included together in a meta-analysis a large association was identified so there is evidence that shame is elevated in those with a history of non-suicidal self-injury also associated with the frequency of non-suicidal self-injury, but to a less extent. Um, this phenomenon was apparent in a range of social groups, such as high school and university students, survivors of sexual abuse and domestic violence, people inside inpatient hospitals, and people in prison. So when we, and I just, I'm going to continue to come back to this, because it was like, it was the freaking, the, the discussion that I feel like needed to happen, like the slut shaming, right? So sure. let's say this person who is taking all the necessary precautions yes. to say, hey, I'm not going to be out here destroying other people's lives. I'm going to be having consensual sex with consenting adults. I'm going to be maintaining birth control to main, like to make sure that I don't have children. I'm going to be like fucking vetting all my partners to ensure that I'm not getting freaking STD. Like I'm going to be going down the fucking checklist. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. And so the person is going through that. They go through all the stuff, but are still being quote unquote slut shamed. Right. That's and so, bullshit. And so to that point, the person who are taking all these precautions, right. Yeah. But then continue to be slut shamed by their, their peers, their support group, whatever. I feel like that can contribute to non-suicidal self-injury, like self-harm. Some people like become like anorexic or bulimic or, you know, like whatever the the self-injury may be. Um, That's why I think it's, that's why, again, my thesis says, like, I feel like shame can be used to correct behavior and sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes it's justified. Absolutely. But when used in excess, it can be dangerous, not only to that person, but society as a whole, mm-hmm. like based on what that person does with that feeling. Right. So let's say this particular venture, um, person is, you know, they, they turn it inward and they say, okay, well I'm going to either self harm or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's some people who turn it outward. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, well this person, this girl says my, my member wasn't the biggest in the world. So I'm just going to go fucking kill all these women like it's it's terrible mm-hmm. it's but it happens and yeah, so it does happen they're called serial killers absolutely and so i feel like yeah that shit we we, we have to be just be happy with what you have be happy with what Penis you have size wise and uh, yeah be happy with what you have and like just try not to overdo it with shame like some people yeah. some people understand what they're doing wrong or quote unquote doing wrong 
and are making adjustments on that. So if they're making adjustments, why continue to shame that person? So circling back to what I think shame is, because I never really said, but mm-hmm. so sh- I think shame is superficial. Okay. Meaning that like you broke a societal rule. So you feel right. shame. Guilt is more empathy. Like I feel bad because I caused this person this feeling. Hmm. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's it, a good way to, to look at to it. To keep our society intact, we do need a little bit of shame. Yeah. And, and so that's why, again, I feel like it's it's used justifiably. Like, yeah. Sure. There's definitely times where it's yeah. warranted. Like if you if you broke the law, doing something hurting people. Mm-hmm. I don't care if your face is plastered everywhere so nobody gets near you again. Right. You know, like if you're, yeah, yeah, we we can, we can imagine. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. I think that there's, again, I think there's justifiable reasons for shame. And so like shame and guilt are arguably the most prototypical moral emotions. Yeah. Um, both of them are elicited when individuals perceive their behavior as having violated moral standards or having caused harm to other people. Right? Yeah. Um, feelings of shame are aroused by an evaluative focus on the whole self, whereas in the case of guilt, the focus is on one's behavior. Right. So um, guilt appears to be a more adaptive emotion benefiting individuals and their relationships in a variety of ways. Um Whereas there is virtually no evidence for the presumed moral functions of shame. Instead, painful feelings of shame seem to promote self-destructive behaviors that can be viewed as misguided attempts to dampen or escape the most punitive moral emotion. Yeah. Right. So saying that like guilt is more, more an effective motivator of changing one's behavior than shame as shame usually most times the person feeling shame internalizes and then it, it turns into more maladaptive behaviors or again. Yeah. And so um, in contrast to guilt, shame is generally seen as a dysfunctional or generally seen as dysfunctional in the regulation of moral behavior. Like we just discussed here. Yeah. Um, it's referred to as ugly emotion that serves no moral purpose. Guilt-free shame correlates with a trait measures of anger, hostility, and resentment. And so if you're being shamed, you're not feeling any guilt. Again, so not feeling guilty for what I'm doing. Like, I've got all the plans. We're doing a fucking, we're doing a big. You're still fucking shaming me, even though I'm not feeling guilty at all, leads to anger, hostility, and resentment, right? I have an example. So if we go back to personal examples. Yes. I was in Japan with my brother. In okay. a hotel room. It's a small hotel room. Um, like, tiny room. And I had gluten intolerance that I didn't know about for like a, two years. Okay. And so I was sitting in my Mormon underwear. Mm-hmm. It's white. It's supposed to be white, you know. Um, it's supposed to be holy or whatever. You know, you have to wear it to get God's protection. And I was just sitting in the bottoms. I just was too hot to wear the tops. Fuck that. Um, okay. cause it's like, it's really hot right, right. and it's hot as fuck in Japan in the summer. So I was sitting there and I was on my bed, my hotel room and I had, I, I it caught me off guard, but I, I basically sharded my pants hmm. and made stains on the sheets. Okay. Great. <laughs> like, and then I went to the bathroom. Um, so I was feeling some shame hmm. and then when I came out, you know, when you, when you soil your Mormon garments, you're supposed to like cut out the tags or something and throw them away. I don't know why. Okay. Like the symbols in them. Huh. Like some, some ritual. Yes. So I didn't do that, but I came out and I had Spotify open and I played taps for me and my brother. (laughs) Okay. So that was the guilt. (laughs) So that was shame. And then the guilt was that. So showing some respect because I didn't have no scissors. Mm, didn't have no scissors. Had to had to put the music on. Yes. And so yeah, I feel like there's there's again times where I feel like shame and guilt are are warranted, and sometimes we're like, oh, okay, don't do that again. You know, maybe I can you know adjust or whatever. Um, but yeah, again, I maybe maybe not in excess, right? Like so, say let's say for the sake of example, right? Mm-hmm. You you know went through that. 
and your every anyone who was in the room, just just your brother at the time. Yes. Okay. So he says, "Hey, that was wild, bro. Don't ever do that again." Like, just begins to just shame you, right? And so he just laughed. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't anything worse than that. Yeah. But let's say you know. You you make adjustments to not you know eat any gluten food yeah. or you know, whatever, but he continues to shame you. Yeah, like that would be annoying as fuck. Yeah, it would. Yeah, that that's the only point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, um, it was pretty shameful though. I will say. Sure. Yeah. Or I don't know. I mean, I just felt bad for whoever had to clean the sheets. <sighs> yeah. I, yeah. 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 I feel you. Well, so, I feel guilty. <laughs> that's guilt right there. That's, that's I feel the guilt guilty. Part, right. So in the guilt part, that's more, again, that's more effective in correcting behavior than yes. if someone were to be like, we can imagine. Okay. I could turn into a serial killer real quick because that's how it happens. Yeah. Soiled sheets. Soiled sheets. But I, I'm, I was 25, so that's different. Yo. All right. Word. So um, want to tell me a little bit about the therapeutic approaches to shame? Sure. So this is coming from my coursework at school in my master's program. So let's go. I took a whole semester on just one. There was one therapeutic like uh, modality that we learned. Mm -hmm. So we just the the class was all about how to do that on ourselves first using it. So um, it's called mind body bridging. So it was invented by Stanley um, Block. Uh, He's from New York. He. he, he he actually he started as an astrophysicist really and then he became a psychiatrist hmm that's pretty cool and then i think he also became a social worker yo that's fucking so he's got credentials got credentials man's yes. been all over he's the a place. genius like he's just a genius mm-hmm. and so he was theoretical astrophysicist like stephen hawking Ooh. you know so he had pretty pretty he's a genius so um but he mapped out kind of the mind and how it interacts with reality Hmm. And how our morals and the moral society places upon us, they impact our behavior, basically. And so mind-body bridging is about building awareness of kind of like the requirements that we have for the world. So like things that when they don't, when they're not met, we have bad feelings like anger, hatred, um, shame, embarrassment, guilt, sadness, depression, you know. Okay, so just real, real quick. So building awareness and thoughts that like, that help us get away with requirements of the world or help us get rid of requirements for the world, right? Like, so requirements that we have for ourselves that they may come from outside or we may make them up. Like okay, kind of the sense. should. Okay. The should. So it's basically about building awareness and kind of learning how to cope with those mm-hmm. and then becoming aware of depressor, depressing thoughts or they call them depressors. And more anxiety-based, like, fixer thoughts um, mm-hmm. that cause, like, shame and guilt and anxiety, all those kind of things. So it's kind of diffusing all of those three things. Nice. Getting of ang- contributors to anxiety and depression. And then shame, basically. Hmm. So. That'd be, I mean, I would, I would like to do that more often. You, I'll, I'll give you the book. That'd be great. Yeah. It's pretty easy, too. It's the easiest therapy modality I've ever used um Mm. because it's like it's very simple it's just mindfulness you do mindfulness you map out like so you're a lot of writing so you write out on a chart they have a chart Mm. you write out in the bubble just like your requirements any thoughts you're having around a particular topic and then um you identify like what is a a should thought and then what is like a depressed or, or a fixer thought and then you kind of do mindfulness to rest like your internal system your identity system basically what they call it it's basically to rest your body and mind so mm-hmm. it's not amped up you know with anxiety and adrenaline and then you come back to it and you kind of problem solve of what you feel hmm. so it's I like that. it's a lot of diffusing things and it helps neutralize emotions word like bad emotions like it helps neutralize bad experiences or at least process them i <clears throat> We all need to do this more often. Yeah, we'll we'll I'll do some episodes on this because this is a pretty hefty topic. Pretty hefty. hefty. Yes. Um, so that is kind of that's how it deals with shame. Mm-hmm. Is it helps you identify like what rules are so inflexible in your life that they're causing you pain and harm. Right. 
And that often is associated with shame. So it's about getting rid of, oh, I should, things should go my way, or I should be better than my brother, or I should have this, I should have that by now, I should be in a relationship by now kind of feeling. Okay, so kind of like breaking away from what society is, I mean, and, and I don't mean like what society is, okay, breaking away from what society is requiring, quote unquote requiring of you. And your requirements of yourself. Right, and your requirements of yourself. Not necessarily in the in the sense that, you know, we still got to go to work, you know, we still got to, you know, Not so that. on and so forth, but, or, or, or whatever, right? We still have to make sure our kids are alive. We have to take care of child. I have to, you know, X, yeah, Y, and Z. This, this is but, different. But not feeling bad about when something like I, I should have done this or I shouldn't have, you know. Like, yeah. So it's, it's obviously you still have to go to work and stuff like that. Right. Um, it's more about like your rules for yourself that often are based on society's expectations. Okay. Right. So I should have kids by 25. Right. Okay. People so. shouldn't. Um, people shouldn't talk about me behind my back. Like expectations and rigid rules that, you know, that when broken they cause distress. Right. So yeah, like so when I was saying like going to the work and making sure the kids that that was setting the groundwork for yes. when I fuck up at work. Yes. I, oh, I don't need to feel like the worst person ever. I should, you know. Unless you're doing something legal, yes. Right, unless you like genuinely fuck up at work. Yes. Like, unless you just like drop the whole ball yes. and now the company's like in a downward spiral, lost all their stock, like, and you are the sole reason to blame. Like, that, that too, that too, that too. <laughs> but yeah, um, you're right. So, um, another thing is it is examining like your bodily sensations. Mm-hmm. So, it associates tension and all those things that asks you to like locate them. And associate them with like, like numbers and stuff like that. Um, I'm now releasing tension in my body. Yeah, and so I asks you to kind of um, work through that tension and identify it. So when you're meditating, that's one of the things you do. Mm. And then when you, after you're done meditating, you're not as escalated, and so you can think more clearly. Right, right. And so you can write down. It's called natural. It's actually called natural functioning. It might be like nirvana in the traditional Buddhist sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just a state of balance, you know? And so you're spo- you're expected to come down to a state of balance and be able to problem solve without all those requirements and all those kind of depressor fixer thoughts. So that's the purpose of that and shame. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Good. It's really complicated, but really simple. Mm-hmm. It took me like two months before it clicked in of learning it. So... Nice. But once it did, it did. So the next one is acceptance commitment therapy. So that's like transforming what it does. And we've talked about, we did a whole episode on that. Transforms language and then it diffuses maladaptive thinking, should thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's also values based. And so it helps people to base their values on their, their desires and not like societies. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yo, make sure, yo, I, I like what I want, bitch. I don't give a fuck what you say, bro. Like, yo. Case in point. That's that's part of it. There's he- I think there's healthy anger. We don't have producers. We don't have mixers. We don't pay nobody for the shit. We yeah. do it, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Eventually. Yo, eventually we'll be getting we'll we'll be so good at it, people will want to pay us to do it. Oh, hell yeah. That'd be fucking let's awesome. Go. Yeah, let's go. Um so acceptance commitment, you know, like we did a whole episode on that. It's transforming like kind of your narrative about yourself mm-hmm. and then helping identify like what's happening in your body, what's happening around you, what thoughts are valuable to you and which ones aren't. Because oftentimes with emotion, you're so like hyped up that you think in binary of good and bad, oh, like extremes, true. you know? And so it's kind of helping people come to a cent- central place where they can more think and breathe and accept things instead of trying to fight against things. And so they end up letting things happen rather than trying to change them. Word. You know, just being mindful and being there. Yeah. Like, yo, we here, we in the fucking building. Exactly. And so how that works on shame is again, helping people to base their worth on their values, not other people's word, word. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm with it. So CBT or DBT, sorry, they're, um, so that's rad- that's d- dialectic behavioral therapy. Yep. So that's 
we'll do another episode on this. It's very similar, but uh, it's based on mindfulness too. It's more about radical acceptance. So just accepting what happens to you and what you've gone through Mm -hmm. um, rather than fighting it. Kind of like when you're swimming, when you're trying to float, you know, just in a shallow end of the pool and you keep kicking around and stuff and you can't float, but then you just relax and lay back. Word. So I, I went through DBT. um, Yeah. And so to put it in different terms, like it's when you're going through some shit, like the words that you say to yourself or the words that you use when you're fighting with people, like the the dialect that you're using in your, in your situations. Yes. Um, being mindful of that and like how again like the words that we choose make make a difference yeah it really does whether we believe it or not and uh, yeah I, I was getting there um well you, i beat you to it you did beat me to it we in the building yeah so anyway before you rudely interrupt no i'm just kidding um so the dialectic in this terms is one or the other mm. so dual so that's what that means is binary either or right right so it's about seeing that there's more than just polar opposites because it was it was made for people with bipolar disorder by Marsha Linehan um, and borderline personality disorder. Those two, because oftentimes when they have heavy, like heavy emotions, they're polarized. They're either or, you know, very extreme. See things very extreme. Right, right. And so she invented this to um, help them come to a place of balance and become aware of their thoughts and feelings and emotions and be mindful of that and build kind of that dialogue, you know? Um, and then it helps them detach from the emotions that are emotionally charged, you know, like anger narratives and stuff like that. And then it helps people to kind of focus more on building on what they can control. So helping them focus on their own journey and not trying to change what they can't change. We're so, with that. Let's go. Yeah. And so the shame part is kind of helping you build awareness of that. The shoulds again, you know, this mindfulness is very much about that and then helping you, um, overcome feelings of shame because that emotionally charged thinking includes shame, helping you to see shame as a passing feeling and not become the shame and not embrace it, you know? Right. Yeah. Let it be. I was just singing that, but I was singing the Beatles, so. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, I love that song. And the other, never mind. Just moving, moving on. on. Moving on. <laughs> Narrative therapy. So reframing trauma and events to more nuanced storylines. And it helps people resolve the past and look forward with hope. Hmm. So when you've been through a trauma or when you've had a hard time and you feel lots of shame, um, oftentimes it's it's helpful to look at that experience and see yourself like from somebody that's compassionate's eyes, you know, like a friend or a family or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of ask yourself, how would they, how would they put this? How do, how would they um, frame this portion of my life? And oftentimes if they're compassionate, they love you, they truly care about you. It'd be a lot more benevolent. Right. Um, I ended up doing a little bit of this narrative therapy when I was in well therapy. Yeah. Um, good. My third, like I, I discussed something that I had gone through that was particularly, particularly traumatic. Yeah, um, and uh, I don't expect you to talk about it on air either. Yeah, so. happened, yeah, but um, he he helped me to again reframe from the narrative standpoint, right? Like, so from someone who's who wasn't me at that moment in time, someone who says, "Okay, well, I am understanding this from someone who is from the perspective of someone who's not." Trying to understand this, motherfucker. Okay. Yeah, trying to understand a, this. <laughs> from an empathetic perspective. Right. From an empathetic perspective. And yes. it it helped to to again reframe how I felt about the situation. Yes. And what it meant to me mm-hmm. when I thought about it again. Yeah. Um That's, pretty wild. Yeah. And I do this all the time with clients is kind of helping them to see you know, that they're not damaged, that they're not broken, that their experiences have shaped them into something, mm-hmm. you know, that they survived. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. I feel like a fat fuck. Okay. Okay. Um, my grandma, whenever she sees me, she, she points it out. So I, there's some Ooh. more shame for you. Ooh. Um, so 
she's never she doesn't even know what a podcast is. She ain't gonna ever listen to this. So okay, um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I feel a lot of shame, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast and off air, um, just about my journey. Mm-hmm. And so, what narrative therapy does is it asks you to take a look, like from a neutral perspective, at what was happening. And so for me, my conclusion is I haven't found a romantic partner yet. I'm a loser. I'm a fuck up. That's the conclusion mm. that I have, have at the start, right? So it's asking you to look at what else happened and asking you to examine, is that a fact or an opinion? Like, did it happen or do you just feel like it happened? Okay. okay? So it asks you to look. So doing that to myself, like we're going to do, um, it's kind of like what was happening, right? So I had a traumatic experience, you know, don't want to talk about it, but it was two years of trauma that really like fucked me up and mm-hmm. scared me because with OCD is very scary. Right. 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 Um, we'll do a whole series on that later. Um, so yeah, it, I, it was asking, I asking myself like, okay, so I had that happen and then it impacted my beliefs in God and, religion and stuff like that, which was very important to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it impacted me there. And then I had, because of that, I felt distant. I felt isolated from people I was supposed to be close to felt this. I felt isolated and distant whenever I participated in religion. And so eventually I left, you know, right, right. right in the middle of the pandemic. Hmm. So I haven't had a lot of space or time or ability to connect with people because at one point I was trying to connect with the wrong people that believed in different things that I didn't believe in. Like, right. Right. You know? And I did that for three years, tried to date those women, uh, in my case. And then I changed my values or I re-examined my values and decided I didn't believe in what they believed. And so that happened and I didn't want to date somebody in the middle of that. You right. know, it would become be irresponsible. It would be irresponsible. Parties. It would become codependent, right? Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. so I haven't had a lot of space to. And then I went to grad school. I mean, I was I would, busy as fuck. I would argue you've had a bunch of space because the pandemic hit, bro. You got space from everybody. All y'all could eat my ass. I am quarantining. No, not not like that. It's just like I. Okay, I'll rephrase it. I suck at Tinder. I suck at social media. Hmm. I suck at those kind of things. But I'm, I have good game in person. Like, if I like you, uh, I have good game, right? I want to see Adam at his fucking peak game, bro. I want to see him, like, bust on the Mac, bro. Dude. Slicking some game. Uh, that would be awesome. I want to see it. That, maybe you will. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, anyway, so I have, I have good game in person. Like I'm good. I'm friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, I can talk to people. So that's, I have good game that way, but online, I suck online. Hmm. So that's how it adversely impacted me. Interesting. Well, I mean, I'm an in-person type of person and we couldn't be person to person. You can be anybody you want online. You can literally, you can literally be Jeffrey Epstein online. If Please you don't. To be. You don't have to be, but you could be. No, no, you don't I, have to. I'm like, I'm I saying, don't want to be. Are you accusing me of something here? Because I, I don't want to be Jeffrey Epstein. What, what I'm saying is, all you have to do is, if you want to be, if you want to have some game online, bro, just okay. freaking just, you know, stretch your creativity. I'm not saying catfish Jeffrey people. Jeffrey Epstein I'm not definitely catfish stretched his creativity. I'm not saying catfish people. I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying do anything like that. You why know why did like, you no, say it? <laughs> because, oh my God. Okay, here we go. People will be talking hella shit online, right? Like, sure. people will be hella racist online, sure. right? Like, you can literally go on Google right now and find out how to speak to women. Like, you can, li- you can literally Google that shit. Not to say that, you know, speaking to women, like, you need to fucking find out how to do it. But I'm saying, like, you could, based on the internet, okay? Yes. What I'm saying is, you could also learn how to quote unquote have game over the internet through the internet so what i'm saying is yes the only limitation is your own creativity so i'm, I'm not gonna, saying catfish I'm people gonna, i'm gonna translate this into my ability to understand this right now super smash bros right so okay you got the range characters okay right right they can set up traps they can hit their target from a distance you got 
Mario. Mario can't do that, right? Right, he can right. Deflect. He's got like great, like in his circles, you know, his media sphere. Yeah, more kind of in your face, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that. I'm Mario. Okay. And the thing is, the great part about this, I'm glad you even used this analogy. You, sir, are the yes. player. You can yes. stop playing Mario for just a moment. You can yes. go online to Samus. look up different. You can go online to look up different ways to be more effective at your character. Yes. That's what I'm saying. So, or furthering the analogy, Mario has that little deflecting towel, right? It's yeah, like yeah. Kind of the little cape. That's what I call it. Yes. I call it a towel. I don't know why. Okay. Um, so if they shoot something at you long range, mm -hmm. you have the ability to shoot it back at them. That's me. Sure. Yeah. That is me. Yeah, so you, you, you specced into the cape, the towel. Yeah. So if I get some, if I get vibes, I'm probably flinging them back. Caping it right back. Okay, yeah. So, okay. Word. I mean, we'll get into it. Okay. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. So. Yeah. We, we in the building. Yeah. So um, we've got CBT. Yeah. Yo, well, I, I just want to. Oh, go sorry, ahead. No. Want to circle back and just say. Well, then circle we, back. That was just some narrative therapy. Good stuff. Ooh. It's putting it. You know, mm. I have at the immediate outset. I feel like shame. Like I feel, oh, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Fuck me, kind of feeling. And so you work through like, oh, well, what else happened? So you create a separate storyline of what happened, you know, mm. and then you help people see like it wasn't so shitty. Right. Th good things happen. Bad things happen. So that's what narrative therapy does. Great. And it's good for trauma because a lot of people trauma um, with they have a lot of thinking errors like or ways that they blame themselves for things that they didn't do, mm -hmm. you know, and so that's part of CBT. Is helping correct irrational thinking or thinking errors. Um, and we can do another whole episode on this. We will. Um, but basically helping people think like more realistically and examining reality versus how right. they feel. So. Right. Yep. And I think um, to me, CBT was explained like how your thoughts interact with your feelings and how your feelings interact with your behavior right yeah. like how how they all influence each other yeah and so it's easy to again like let's just we're, we're going back to freaking slut shaming okay so i've been told that i did a bad thing and so now i'm being told i'm this i'm that i'm a terrible person and so i'm going to tell myself i'm you know this i'm, that, I'm a terrible person yeah and then my behavior or like I'm going to feel now that I say this to myself, I'm going to feel like I'm super negative. I'm going to have low self-esteem. I'm going to, you know, go through the motions of not feeling like a good person. And then I'm going to behave in whichever way, be it yeah. self-destructive or not. Um, I think CBT is crucial. I think every single person walking the face of this earth should have to take CBT. And I mean, I'm not going to like, oh, don't mandate it. I'm just like, I'm just saying like as a person. It's I, cognitive behavioral therapy. Just for anybody who's wondering or forgot to mention that. That's yeah. not like some crazy like thing that like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like, scary. And I'm not, again, I'm not like fucking, oh, I think it should be mandated. I just, I feel like every single well, person can benefit from learning about how their thoughts influence their feelings and how their feelings influence their behavior yes that's very all. important yeah i just didn't want them to think that we want them to get like vasectomies or something <laughs> no that's why I, I, that's why i said cognitive behavioral therapy there were, we're not, i mean bro the word vasectomy there's not a v in there they don't know that C cognitive vasectomy therapy they could we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out <laughs> okay um how about balls that's what it could have meant a cognitive ball torture it could be there you go or how about what is it like castration ball torture like something something like that maybe some form something like that some form of ball torture yes so that's why we had to specify cbt yeah we got tf so we've got the fucking <laughs> cock and ball. jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> we've got yes we've got the, the fuck the, fucking, the, fuck? the fucking cock and ball torture this is going to be really bad because this is about working with children. Okay, hold on. Let's actually, <laughs> let's let's dial it back. Let's pull it back. Okay, wait. I retract that. This is about children. Okay, so, so hold on. Wait. So TFCBT actually stands for Trauma-Focused Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Yes. Okay. It's specifically for children. So. Okay. It's, okay. <laughs> I take it back. 
trauma focused God. cognitive behavioral God therapy. Damn. Yeah, so that's what that is. Helping. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Helping children process trauma. This is I mean, bad. No, even, even then, bad. it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily need to be with children. Like it just anyone who's experienced well, trauma. Well, right? no, this is specifically for like so this an age group. So like, after a certain age group, you shouldn't use this. So after a certain age group, you shouldn't use trauma focus and like, yes, because it's not effective. Hmm. Okay. Go so on. this is this is in the training. It's right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm with you up till age like eighteen, almost. Right. I'm. I'm here. Yeah. For you. Go ahead. So, give, give it to me. Give it anyway. To me. Here we go. Helping children process trauma and this is bad now that we, okay, and correct correct narratives of shame with caregivers. This is just keep getting worse to what we did. Okay, caregivers work on trauma focused storylines and disentangle false storylines of self blame and guilt, and then it helps caregivers overcome feelings of fear and shame over the event. So, I will say again, I'm going to double down now. Now that I'm, now that we're reading that trauma focused CBT helps yes. children process trauma, yes, you know all these things that that they're going through with their caregivers, and it helps the caregivers um, overcome feelings of fear, shame, you know, yes. stuff like that over the event. I'm again going to double down and say that the caregivers, in that sense, are receiving trauma focused CBT because they're seeing the they impacts. Are. They're seeing the impacts of the trauma that is having on the child. They so, are. So it is for caregivers. Right. I'm just saying, specifying that this is very specific to children. And then the caregivers are kind of around there, but they're not doing cock and ball torture therapy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was holding it together for so long. Like, <laughs> like, it was specifically for the children. I'm like, it oh, just, God. It, 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 it just got worse and worse and worse. Like, you're going to end my career. Like, I'm, so I'm never going to be able to work in this town again. Yeah. Um, we, we never advocate for hurting children. Especially not here at only yesterday. Yes. We care about the kids. Yes, we do. We love the kids. Um, how do we rebound from that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's specifically for that narrative, like right, for right. helping children. So, like, CBT is more broad. Like, you don't need very much training to do CBT. Like, I've worked with CBT. Mm -hmm. But, like, with TFCBT, it's specific. It's like a specific, like, training that mm -hmm. there is at specific stages it's very regimented you have to go through stages right and right. so it's not as broad it's very narrow so you, there's only certain times you should use it you mm -hmm. know when it's trauma you can't, you can't use it without the trauma right so there's a lot so that's why i'm specifying because agree yeah. and, and i feel like there's it would be important to yeah to clarify that because yes. there's many people who experience trauma and many people who can further fuck someone up trying to help with that trauma, not knowing how to, you know, how to help. For sure. So yeah, that's kind of how therapy works with that. Um, with C TFCBT, it has to be, there has to be a, a specific trauma. So if somebody doesn't have trauma, they can't be, even if they've been through a big event, they still have to display signs of trauma. And so it helps correct kind of some of the storylines that this was my fault. Mm -hmm. And that's very much a shame thing. It helps correct the caregiver's um, shame that they let this happen or that they should have protected their child more. Um, so that's how that helps heal the shame. Right. It's very much about healing kind of the wounds of, of trauma and helping them process that. Sounds good. Yeah. Shame and childhood. Um, Erickson's second stage of development, and then it's shame versus autonomy. Ooh, back to Erickson for those who were listening last week. Yeah. So it's like the child's task is to gain independence through like toilet training, choosing their own clothing, and doing things on their own. And then children who don't complete this stage feel kind of self-doubt and, and some shame. Ooh, interesting. And then we're just... We're you know, this is bringing back the nostalgia because I remember reading about this. Yes, and so it's um, especially in this um, this crucial developmental time for a child. You know, saying, "Hey, I'm trying to learn how you know how to do these things, right? I'm trying yeah. to be a person. I need to tie my shoes, or I need to go to the bathroom, or I need to you know whatever the case." Yeah, um, I think that's crucial to help. You know, for children's development, helping them feel secure in their yeah. 
in their journey towards becoming a functional adult or becoming a functional person. Yeah, because yeah, this stage is relatively young. It's like 18 months to two years mm-hmm. or three years. I can't remember which one. But anyway, so yeah, that kind of reflects how they feel later, right. you know, with shame and not being able to do things. So help your kids feel supported. Yes. So yo, for real, let them feel autonomous, bro. That shit's yes. liberating when they become an adult. So the last section I have, well, the second to last is teaching, I was helping children with shame. So how can we help children who feel shame? So one of them I have is teaching healthy boundaries in relationships. Okay. How would that help us shame? So, I mean, telling a kid, hey, like, you don't need to feel bad for when little Susie or little Max down the street tells you. That's my dog's name. Or let's say, okay, I mean, I don't want to say it because Max is a good boy. Let's say. um, David. Little David. Okay. So when little David, you know, says you're stinky, like you don't need to feel super bad about that because you're actually not. He's just being a dick. dick. So, I mean, just don't (laughs) play with him anymore. Like, just leave him alone. Yeah. And maybe teaching kids that some things aren't their fault, Hmm. you know? Sure. Um, The next one using punishment as correction and not as punitive retaliation. Yeah. And that hard, again, rings back on this fucking bell that I'm going to keep fucking dinging, bro. Like, I mean, this is kind of describes my entire childhood. So, <laughs> okay. Well, go, goes back to the thesis. Um, <laughs> using shame to correct behavior, you know, yeah. using it sometimes justifiably, that's completely reasonable. It's rational. Yes. It's not a problem. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a problem. But once it becomes punitive, once we use it in excess. Yeah. Once we personalize it as caregivers hmm. to people or partners or whatever relationship we're in, once we personalize it, yeah. that's when it becomes like the second one, punitive retaliation and not as like corrective, you know, when you're that's yeah. No, I feel you. So here's a good one for teens and children. It's comp. Yeah. Go ahead. Like to an extent. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now I'm scared, bro. I just, I'm scared to step into this now. I can't do it, bro. I can't do it. Okay. Here's let's just, let's say young adults and adolescents. Okay. Okay. Young adults, adolescents. And Let's then I'll put, I'll tell you specifically what's for children. Oh, 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 I see. I see the very first word. Like, go ahead. We, we can, we can, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I panicked. No, I'm scared. Okay. <laughs> Conversations about sex, body mm-hmm. types, and then unrealistic media portrayals. So helping mm-hmm. children learn about their bodies and about sex and what's okay. Like, especially with young children, that's where I was. I was I, I was being responsible. That's where I put like teaching young children about what sexual abuse looks like to the extent that it's appropriate. Right. Of course. Of course. Like to the extent that it's appropriate. Right. We're not. Yeah. We're not like definitely not advocating for showing kids porn. Like don't do. Who that. Said, wh- don't. Do who that. said that? So like because we're having conversations about sex, right? So this yes, is, yes. So again, don't. Show, right. So don't, don't do that. Don't very do illegal that. thing. Don't ever do that. Like yeah. Don't we might actually have to cut that? Like, I Please don't do. Wanna... I don't want to get. <laughs> okay, so um, <clears throat> so we're not saying like going over the top, but just like having them understand what, what sexual abuse looks like, so they can prevent it. Right, so they can prevent it, so they can yes. be away from it, and um, yeah, yeah and teaching think... them the rules of this is okay, this is not okay, kind of thing. And also teaching them the rules of society, like saying, like you were mentioning the unrealistic media portrayals, right? Like saying yeah. that, um, saying you need to look a particular way, otherwise you're not, you know, yeah. you're not good enough or you need to, yeah, you need to fucking whatever, bro. Like let your fucking imagination run wild. You need to drive a truck in order to be a real man. You need to fucking slap Yeah, you need to, to join be, the military you need to, to be join a real man. The military to be a real man. You need to fucking... Yeah, those kind of things. You need to cook and clean if you want to be a real lady. Like, yeah. what the fuck? No. Like, heh. Fuck yeah. out of here with that shit. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I agree with you. We in a building, bro. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think also helping kids learn that like being overweight or whatever that doesn't necessarily reflect anything that you did wrong. 
because there's all different types of bodies, you know? Sure. So I think that's part of it too. Absolutely. So like, seriously, like I, I saw this picture the other day, like, like 150 pounds or no, it was like, I think it was like 200, 250 pounds on one person looks different than it does on another person yeah. versus another. And so there's many different body types. And then, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's, it was an interesting, uh, like, uh, like I said, to describe myself, I feel like a fat fuck. Because I am a fat fuck. I mean, if you feel that way, I feel that way. I'm not. I'm not comparing my. I don't want people that are bigger than me or whatever that feel bigger than me say. Oh, he's talking. You know, Mm. that's how I feel inside. Okay. So yeah, it's okay. Like yo, we we all have a a inner inner sad person. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of us. Mine's like a sad clown. Some of us are narcissists. We have like just an inner badass. We're like always, always on. You need two. You need two (laughs) people driving the wheel. You need. Your narcissist and your inner bat or your your kind of your insecurities. And then you also need like the, the autopilot for when the, both of those people are sleeping. Because they can't always be like fucking traded. Like both of them are going to get tired eventually. I was going to mention there's going to be a kid in the back. I, now the kid has to drive <laughs> or something. Drive, like, okay. I, I, I was just describing kind of my childhood. Growing up. <laughs> Yo, did you ever drive a car? No, no, no. Just like riding in my back seat with my parents is what I'm saying. Word, and they both got tired. And they're like, Yo, Adam, pull up. No, I was describing their <laughs> emotional roles in my life. <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's another episode. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that later. No, I'm not going to get into their shit because that's, that's, that's their shit. And sure, my mom sure. listens to every single episode like t- two times. Yeah. So she's going she's gonna to get sad. Oh, okay. Well, so, definitely don't want to make mom sad. Yeah. Word. That's so, for therapy. So. Right, right. The last thing, um, helping develop self-esteem through independence, mm-hmm. helping a child make choices, helping them kind of be comfortable with what they need and want. So. Right. This is again, we're, we're coming back to the Erickson stage. Um, yes. The shame versus autonomy, like having a child say, Hey, I'm, I'm able to, I can wipe my own ass. Right. Like how, yes. how liberating is that to say as a child, like, bro, I can do it. And there are some times where I can't do that as getting fatter, you know, <laughs> like depending on the toilet size, okay. depending on the room. Like if I'm in Japan, man, I, my ass is going unwiped because it's just small toilets. Word. Well, I mean, and that's, that's not like a character flaw. That's just like, it can be, <laughs> it's because the toilets are too small, but okay. Well, so what I'm saying is <laughs> helping developing self-esteem, right? Yeah. Like a kid who, you know, learns to ride a bike, right? Um, versus every time the kid tries to get on the bike, you push him over and like, Oh my God, you're terrible at this. Why are you so bad? Like that would, that would suck. You're kind of describing my childhood again. So this is just, (laughs) so this is, so the reason why we did shame is because very many people have experienced something that's, you know, painful. Right. And so, and I'm absolutely certain every person listening right now has done something embarrassing or has done something that you think back and you're like, fuck. Why did I do that, man? I cannot believe. And so yeah. that's that's one reason I really wanted to do this episode is because many yeah. people can relate. Many people can feel, yeah. you know. So so what can we do, right? What can we do about this this big thing, shame, this big thing, guilt, right? Um, I think we can do a few things here. Uh, one, like I've been saying many a time, I'm not going to say it again because y'all done already heard it. And if you don't know what I'm going to say right now, then you haven't been listening. Two, what I think we can do is continue to educate each other about the nuances of society because it is difficult to find your way in this society. It's hard. Um, No matter what it is that you want to do, there's always someone out here who wants to do exactly what you're doing but better or do it worse but get paid more and will. And like there's... Unless you're a social worker. Unless you're a social worker. Then there's people who will do what you got a degree for get paid more and charge a hell of money and charge yeah yeah it's uh it's called private practice bro yeah this uh this this field is a selfless field most yes. times i mean labor of love labor of love most times right yes. so educating each other on you know how nuanced society is specifically for your group whatever that is whatever that looks like for you um and then I think, I think that's really it, dude. So yeah, again, the the bell that I've been ringing. Okay, I'm gonna say it one time. Okay, one last. Okay, look, hey, this is it. I'm gonna say it one last time. Okay, shame, 
can be used justifiably, can be used rationally sometimes, and it can be done for good to help correct behavior. But if done in excess, it is detrimental to not only the person receiving it, but it can be to the people around. So that's number one. If you missed number one, that's what we can do. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a teacher in, in high school. I forgot to tell this story, but I was going to. Here we go. I had a teacher in high school. His name was Mr. Mr. Crump. Mr. Crump. Yes. Very strange man. But uh, he had a very deep guttural voice like this, you know? Yeah, and okay. so he was very old school. Like my uncle actually had him in the 1970s when he was a new teacher. And mm -hmm. I had him. So whenever he would, he would joke around, somebody made a mistake and it was funny. He'd, be, he'd say, shame, shame, shame. And like okay. laugh in his really deep voice. And it's also funny because my uncle's friend in high school shit in his desk. <laughs> Mm, <laughs> and yo. he didn't feel no shame about it so didn't feel any shame yeah right? didn't, so <laughs> didn't feel guilty either bro it was like yo, no I'm he good. didn't feel guilty I, I he's a badass that was that's badass like hmm. that's funny <laughs> like, don't do, don't do that because you're gonna something those are cursed pranks yes don't the, do that the, the, the forbidden pranks yes so the last one is kintsugi or kintsukuroi um it's a Japanese pottery. Uh, have you heard of this before? No. Okay. Well, story time, bitches. <laughs> Yo, teach me some things. Okay, there you go. Um, sorry, I'm laughing at that now. It reminds me of Jesse from uh, from uh, Breaking Bad. So anyway, Japanese pottery using broken or cracked vases that are glued together or sealed with um, flecks of gold. Ooh. So the cracks, the idea that having been broken many times, the pottery is more beautiful. Hmm. So we can, the idea is that we can be, we can be more beautiful after being broken. You know, now that, now that you say that and I'm, now I'm reading it, like I'm imagining or I'm remembering, you know, vases or yeah. things like this. That just, you know, like a little flexible here, flexible here, this here. Yeah. And so that's pretty fucking sick. Yeah, I like man. It. So I use that with clients too to kind of look like I know like he went through this experience, you know, but it doesn't make you broken. You know, those experiences shaped you. Right. For better or for worse, you know. Oh, absolutely. So So if you or anyone you know are struggling with any issues regarding shame, guilt, self harm. Self harm, right? Like Again, any issues relating to harming it. So other people, harming other people, right? Like, for, please get help. Please help each other. Uh, reach get out, help, please. And um, yeah, this world is fucking wild, bro. But yeah, it's it, rough out there. It's rough out there, but it doesn't need to be. Like, we can, nah. we can help. Like, we is helping. <laughs> stop. So <laughs> stop being assholes, bro. Like that's yeah. it. I, I'm not saying the listeners. The listeners, you guys are doing great. I love you guys. We're doing wonderful. <clears throat> Thank you guys. I'm so actually grateful to have all we of you love listeners. Listeners. Just talking about like people in general. Like yes. people in general. Just stop being mean to each other. Like yes. please. Don't be, that would don't be great. Be dicks. Right. That that would be great. Yes, that would be very great. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we're out of here then. Bye. Bye.